I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. I hope you're having a fabulous day. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Here's my coffee. Uh, in the beginning, God created the coffee bean, and lo, it was good. And I am your caffeine-imbued host, Page. And today we're going to continue our discussion uh, that's springing out of Exodus 39, where um, the writer of Exodus is describing what the priest wears. And um, today, tomorrow, and the day after, we're going to be looking at what the priests do inside the holy place. We talked about what the priest does outside the holy place yesterday, where the priest represents God to the non-priest and represents the non-priest to God. That's a picture of us interacting with unbelievers in our world. Uh, we talked about how the laver is important, that the priest has to go to the laver and wash his hands and feet before he ministers at the brazen altar to the non-priest or before he goes into the tent of meeting to minister with other priests inside the holy place or the holy of holies. Well, today we're going inside the holy place, the tent itself. couple things about this tent. Um, nobody but priests are allowed in there. And the non-priest can't see inside. There's no windows. All right. There are no windows. So you can't, nobody can get, get a peek about what's going on inside that tent. So the, the, f the first thing we got to know is that the unbeliever can't really understand what's going on in our churches when the priests meet together. So there is a mystery to the fellowship of the saints. There is a mystery when the priests gather, when the priests have specific tasks to do. They, the outsiders can't see in. And isn't that true? A lot of times the world just does not understand why we do what we do. The world cannot understand why we would give money as offerings to our churches, why we would pay somebody to talk to us about the Bible. I mean, it's the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't understand the generous nature, generally speaking, of the church. The world doesn't understand anything about why we do what we do. In fact, Peter says in his epistles that we're, we're really at enmity with the world. They don't get it. They don't like it. They can't see inside the church. So the tent where the where the priests go to congregate, where the priests go to work, it's done in a place that cannot be seen nor understood. 
by the non-priest. That's number one. Now, when the priests, of course, have gone to the labor, which we said was the word of God, the priest has read and meditated and thought on the word of God. Now the priest goes inside the tent. He's ready to work. Now, in the tent, there's three places in the holy place. Now, we're not talking about the Holy of Holies. That's in the back of the tent where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat exist. But in the bigger room, you walk in and to your right is a table of showbread. Directly in front of you is the altar of incense and directly to the left is the golden candlestick. Now, the priests have duties at each of these three tables, each of these three places. Today, we're going to talk about the candlestick. Um, this is something that I have thought on a lot over the years, and I have wrestled with this. Um, so please know that what you're getting from me right now is based on years and years and years of contemplation and thought. doesn't mean it's right, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. <laughs> but you're, you're really going to get a a really good view of me thinking with my mouth open. As I've shared before, I'm ver I'm a verbal person. I tend to work through problems verbally. And it's like when I, when I put the things out in front of myself verbally, it's like I can see the parts of the puzzle and I can start to put the puzzle together. Uh, I'm not someone who sits in a corner thinking quietly. I'm the loud guy. And many times... I will say things that might sound ridiculous. I'm used to that. My wife's used to that. My kids and friends are used to that because they realize that sometimes I have to say some ridiculous things so that I can throw that thought away and get to the heart of the matter. I think with my mouth open. So today you're going to get some of that. So the candlestick. Uh, we're going to start there. The candlestick will be on your left as you walk into the holy place. The candlestick is made of beaten gold. Um, it's got oil and fire. It's a candlestick. First thing you got to know about this candlestick is that it is the only source of illumination in the holy place. There are no windows. Nobody can peek in. When you walk into the holy place, the only thing lighting up that room is the candlestick. And it's got... Uh, it, it needs tending. Um, you got to make sure that the oil is the right kind of oil. You got to make sure that the the oil it's the candlestick is filled with the oil it needs, and you got to trim the wicks. You got to keep it lit. The fire doesn't go out when the when the tent is uh, in a in a place when they're camping in a place. The fire doesn't go out, and it's the priest's job to make sure that fire doesn't go out. Kind of important because again, it's the only source of illumination in that tent, the holy place. So let's, as I said before, we've been given permission by the writers of Hebrews to look at the tabernacle as an allegory, as a picture of the true thing. And, and as I said before, heaven doesn't look like a tent with goat skins and leather and, and uh, embroidered curtains. It's the function of the tabernacle that is the picture of the true. And what is this a picture of? Holy place, lit up by a candlestick, tended by the priests. 
This is a picture of what happens in the body of Christ, in our fellowship with each other. Um, sometimes it refers to what goes on in the physical churches that we attend, but many times it's it's how we work with each other, how we fellowship and, and, and deal with each other. And the candlestick, what do we know that provides illumination in our spiritual lives? What is it that makes the Bible come alive to us? What is it that gives a special insight in a given situation? Um, it's the Holy Spirit. The candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been associated with fire. On the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire come down on the on the disciples. Uh, oil. Uh, a lot of times people are anointed with oil, and that's a picture of God's Spirit coming down on somebody. So the and and gold is purity. It's pure gold. That's God. So the candlestick is the Holy Spirit and his ministry to the body of Christ, to the believers, to the priests in the room. It's the only source of illumination. Now, how does the Holy Spirit illuminate? Well, a couple different ways. Uh, he illuminates through um, gifted individuals. He illuminates through special gifts and anointings that show up when needed. Um, in our churches today, we have preachers, we have teachers, we have spiritual leaders. Um, this is an example of the Holy Spirit at work. The pastors and the teachers present God's word to us, lead us into under, get a greater understanding of God's word, how to apply it to our lives. That Those are gifted individuals. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. They are bringing illumination. How many times have you heard your pastor say something and this light goes off in your head? You go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And how many times have you been listening to a favorite Bible teacher because they bring the truth in such an incredible way that it just explodes the Bible in your heart? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing illumination. But now, all priests that go in to the holy place are involved in the illumination that goes on in there. And that means you and me, people like, lay, lay people like yourself and myself, probably, unless you're a preacher, of course. Um, the Holy Spirit has given us giftings and abilities to help us minister to the other Christians in our world, to minister to the other priests that are in the room with us. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in Paul's uh, book, a letter to the Corinthian church, 12, 13, and 14. Um, the gift of, gifts of the Spirit, and I don't want to belittle them, and regardless of what your stance is and whether those gifts are extant in the body of Christ today or not, I think we can agree in this definition. The gifts of the Spirit are those momentary glimpses into the heart, soul, and mind of God. When someone's given a prophetic word, prophecy just means speaking on inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, when someone's giving a prophetic word, they're applying God's word in a miraculously inventive way to a current situation. 
A prophet is someone who can say, thus saith the Lord. Now, there's the office of the prophet, of which I am not a part. But there, but every Christian has the ability to offer prophetic words of encouragement to their fellow believers. Many times in the lives of my students, and I, I teach music privately uh, and used to in classrooms, many times a student was sharing something with me, hard that's going on in their life or something really great that's going on in their life. And it's like at that moment, I have this incredible application of a passage of scripture that I'd never considered that way before, but I share it with the student and it brings light to their situation. It's a prophetic word. I'm speaking God's mind into a current situation using God's word. That's a prophetic word. So prophecy, um, tongues, whether or not you believe tongues are for today or not, you can at least agree with Paul when he says that when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, he speaks not to men, but to God. And that this prayer has purpose and power and value. And when that gift is at work in a believer's life, they have, they're having a special moment with God. It's, uh, I had a preacher say sometimes, it says, it's that small, quiet love talk between a husband and wife that the rest of the world isn't meant to hear. But it's love talk between a man and his wife. It's a powerful moment that brings an aspect of God's nature into your life at that moment. That's illumination. Um, healing. Um, I don't have the gift of healing in an ongoing, never-ending way, but I believe, but I know that at several times in my life, God has used me through prayer and laying on of hands to bring healing to certain situations. My daughter was a baby. She was very, very, very ill. And she was having trouble breathing. She had a very high fever. She was uh, very ill. And we're in the doctor's office. I was in the Navy. This is our first child. And I was scared to death hearing her wheeze and struggle for breath. And I remember I had just read the story of uh, Peter's mother-in-law, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. And she gets up and waits on them and, and makes dinner for them. And I just remember that. And I remember laying my hand on my daughter. I don't know what led me to do it. Well, I do now, I guess. Holy Spirit. But without thinking, I laid my hand on my daughter and thinking about that moment with Jesus and Peter's mother-in-law, I did what Jesus did. I rebuked the fever in the name of Jesus. And my daughter took this great, big, lack of a better word, cleansing breath, just a, and fell into a deep, restful sleep and the fever left. At that precise moment in time, I got a glimpse of the mercy and power of God. I saw God in a new way. That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. I've told the story about going through Hurricane Hugo with a tornado bearing down on us and my children being scared and my son, my youngest, Saying, Daddy, please make it stop. Please make it stop. 
I've never felt so helpless in my life. And I prayed this prayer. Dear Lord, your, your word says, by grace have I been saved through faith, now would be good. And the tornado lifted up and went over the top of the house and came down on the other side. In that precise moment, I saw God in a new way. That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The most incredible example of the illumination of the Holy Spirit was the day I got converted, the day I became, I bowed my knee to him for the first time. I'm in boot camp. There's a this powerful, full gospel uh, choir singing. And I was overwhelmed by the music. My eyes were closed and I knew Jesus was standing next to me. And I heard these words in my head, depart from me, you wicked, to the fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And I was overwhelmed with terror because all of a sudden I realized that death was required for the sin in my life. And I didn't know what those words meant. I wasn't a Christian yet. Give me another second or two. And then I heard these, saw these words in my head and it's like a ticker tape. But I've loved you with an everlasting love. And all of a sudden, I felt the full impact of his mercy and his grace, his love, his protection, everything. Like for that brief moment in time, I got a glimpse of the person and character of God. That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. That is what we as believers need to be operating within. We need to be paying attention to the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Now, how, how do we do that? I mean, the priests tended the candlestick. They trimmed wicks. They added oil. Well, the first thing you do is you make sure you stopped at the uh, brazen or at the bronze basin before you came in to the holy place. That's the word of God. Sunday morning at church is not the time to interface with the word of God. If that's You need to have done that before you ever show up throughout the week. The word of God has to be the most important thing in your day-to-day -day existence. You don't, you don't study the word of God so that God can use you miraculously. If God uses you miraculously, that's totally on him, and he will bring that, when that happens, it happens. You don't force hand, God's hand with it. What it does, the word of God cleanses you. It prepares you to go into the holy place and to be used by the Holy Spirit to minister to your fellow priests. Because see, it's only the priests that are in the holy place. Now this isn't talking just about going to church and that's the only time you interact with, with other priests. Remember the priests in the picture of the tabernacle is, a, is us, us believers. And there is a special ministry from believer to believer to believer that takes place in church, outside of church. The world doesn't get it. The world, won't the world doesn't understand the gifts of the Spirit. The world doesn't understand our need for the Bible. To them, it's a book, an old book, a book of fables and fairy tales. They don't understand the power that is in those words in that book. But we do. We go to the Word on a daily basis. That's going to the bronze basin. We wash our hands and feet. We're, wa we're washed the cleansing of the water of the Word. And we set the stage for the Holy Spirit to use us. That's tending the lampstand. I don't know how God's going to use me, 
I don't know if today God is going to use me to give a prophetic word to someone that needs it. I don't know if God's going to use me to pray a prayer that will be involved in the healing of God's uh, for some individual. I don't know if God is going to um, use me to bring a special word of knowledge. That's a that's another way that that God works. The word of knowledge thing. It's um, it's like have you ever been in a place where all of a sudden you just knew something that there really wasn't any way that you should have known it. Uh, there have been several times where I'm dealing with another believer and all of a sudden God brings to mind something. I say, hey, is this going on right now? And they look at you like you've just hit him in the middle of the forehead with a big board. They say, how did you know that? I, say, I don't know. God just, it just, I just know. And God gives you insight to your fellow priest's life and ministry takes place. The Holy Spirit brings illumination. That illumination cannot take place unless you've been to the bronze basin, unless you've been to the word. That's why we believers have to be in the word constantly because when we come into contact with other believers, we have to be ready and able to minister to them in whatever way that God calls us to. Sometimes it's through prophecy. Sometimes it's through word of knowledge. Sometimes it's through teaching, preaching. Sometimes... It could be through other things, through music. Music is a powerful vehicle for a prophetic word. I'm a musician. I know this. Music does not move me nearly as much until I've been in the God's word regularly. That's why this last year and a half of I've started doing these devotionals through the New Testament and the Old Testament, I have, my life has changed. It's like I'm, I'm seeing God at work around me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm seeing God at work around me. Sounds like the Holy Spirit is illuminating. Mm, imagine that. See how that works? So we as priests, we are involved and in partnership with the Holy Spirit of God in ministering to the priests around us, to the other believers, our brothers and sisters around us bringing words of encouragement, being available for God to do whatever he's going to do. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm running around looking for these supernatural moves of God's Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Spirit or whatever. You know, a preacher once said, God uses the ordinary unless the extraordinary is called for. So I'm going to live my life in the Word of God being available for God to use however he wants to use me, sometimes in very ordinary ways, sometimes in extraordinary ways. I'm going to pray for my, my brothers and sisters. When there's a specific need, I'm going to pray. When God gives me a word, I'm going to bring it. And by the way, how can you bring a word of God to somebody if the word of God isn't in you? Gosh, we keep circling back to that bronze basin, don't we? So here we are in the tent with other priests, the world doesn't get us, and we're ministering at the lampstand. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we are setting the stage for God to use us as a vehicle for his Holy Spirit to bring illumination and light into, into the lives of our fellow believers. All right, that's a good place to stop. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the table of showbread. Very special place for priests. 
And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, until then, God bless you. Have an incredible day. Here's my coffee. I'm Paige. And folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 